Hola, hello, bienvenido, and welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Perel. Whether you're a first-time listener or a loyal returning guest, I want to extend a warm hola and hello to each and every one of you. For those of you who are new here, welcome, bienvenido. I encourage you to take a look around and explore our previous podcast episodes. And to all our returning listeners, muchas gracias. Thank you for joining us once again. Now, before we dive into today's episode, let's take care of a few housekeeping matters. Throughout the show, we'll be referring to our segments as trimesters, mirroring the stages of pregnancy. So we have the first trimester, the second trimester, the third trimester, each representing a unique part of our discussion. Additionally, instead of side note, we'll be introducing Braxton Hicks. These moments will provide valuable information, share captivating stories, or offer deeper insights into the topics we're exploring. In today's episode, I'm discussing the 2022 documentary, Aftershock. It's a little departure from the normal routine, but I decided that this was an important episode to get out to bring more light to the maternal mortality issue. This film follows two fathers, Omari Maynard and Bruce McIntyre, as they navigate raising their children without their partners due to medical violence and malpractice. They lost their lives. Let's start the show. First trimester. In this segment, I take a moment to honor the memory of Black women who have tragically lost their lives as a result of systemic neglect and medical racism. Today, I'm changing it up again. Gotta try new things. Stick with me, though. I am highlighting an organization who is actively working to help combat the maternal mortality rate. Join us as we shed light on Moms Rising. Moms Rising stands as a nonpartisan powerhouse dedicated to catalyzing cultural and legislative transformations on crucial societal fronts. Issues such as gun safety, paid family leave, and maternal justice are at the forefront of their advocacy. One central mission for Moms Rising revolves around broadening access to birthing professionals beyond traditional medical practitioners. Monifa Bendel, the organization's vice president and chief partnership and equity officer emphasizes the imperative of expanding reimbursement options to enable women to access midwives and doulas. This is particularly crucial given that Medicaid covers nearly half of birthing expenses in the United States, making it essential to ensure equitable access to birthing care choices. Moreover, Moms Rising recognizes the compelling power of personal stories shared at town halls and rallies. Bendel underscores the profound impact of high-profile figures like Serena Williams and Beyonce, publicly sharing their experiences of pregnancy and childbirth complications. These stories serve as vehicles for raising awareness about racial disparities in maternal outcomes, reaching millions who may otherwise remain unaware of the pressing issues. As Bendel questions the underlying workings of the healthcare system, it becomes clear 
that Mom's Rising's relentless efforts to transcend mere advocacy, they are the catalyst for the transformative change in America society. This is an amazing organization. Please check out the show notes for ways that you can donate and raise your voice for this cause. Second trimester. In October 2019, 30-year-old Shamani Gibson tragically died 13 days following the birth of her son. Two months later, the film team began documenting Shamani's surviving mother, Shawnee Benton Gibson, and bereaved partner, Omari Maynard, as they began to process what happened and figure out their new normal. In April 2020, 26-year-old Amber Rose Isaac died due to an emergency C-section. Within weeks of Amber's death, Omari reached out to Amber's surviving partner, Bruce McIntyre, and a lifelong bond is formed. Together, Omari and Bruce begin the fight for justice for their partners with their families and communities by their side. While caring for their children as newly single parents, The film witnesses these two families become ardent activists in the maternal health space, seeking justice through legislation, medical accountability, community, and the power of art. Their work introduces a myriad of people, including a growing brotherhood of surviving Black fathers, along with the work of midwives and physicians on the ground fighting for institutional reform. Through their collective journeys, the film brings us to the front lines of the growing birth justice movement that is demanding systemic change within our medical system and government. Aftershock premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in the U.S. Doc Competition and was awarded the Special Jury Award, Impact for Change. Aftershock was acquired out of Sundance by Disney's Onyx Collective. And, a- and ABC News Studios and released on Hulu in the U.S. and on Disney Plus Worldwide on July 19, 2020. Third trimester, my notes on the documentary. I like to preface my thoughts by saying this documentary does a fantastic job of highlighting the stories and issues around Black maternal mortality. I was really excited to see this documentary. I also know a few faces in the documentary. Nubia Earth-Martin, a lovely midwife who I've interviewed twice on this podcast. And as a doula for 21 years in New York City, I have my own thoughts about some of these issues raised in the documentary. Now, mind you, I'm aware that it cannot cover in depth each issue surrounding the United States' extreme racism and medical neglect towards black and brown and indigenous women and families. If this were happening to white women, it would be considered a national crisis. In my previous episodes, I discussed some of the catalysts for change in the maternal mortality that I'd like to see. But this issue, this documentary... I had a lot of notes. The first thing that stood out to me was the quote by Shamani Gibson, turn our pain into power and make something of this. It's just heartbreaking to imagine your mom, who is an activist, who also worked in the hospital, that you entrusted your daughter to this medical system 
and to have them treated as poorly as she was. I won't go into the details, but I would definitely encourage you to look at what happened at Woodhull Hospital. (sighs) Bruce, Amber's partner, he made a quote in the beginning and said, they trusted the hospital. And oftentimes, I hear this a lot as a doula. I trust the hospital. Hospitals are safe. Hospitals have done a good job at marketing. And by that I mean, they seem like a safer option. But when you do digging and you find out that the maternal mortality rate or that their C-section rates for first-time moms are extremely high, hospitals are not always safe places for us to give birth in. And there are alternatives that we often don't talk about. There's home births, there's birthing centers in hospitals and freestanding birthing centers. And here in New York, we only have one freestanding, New York City, we only have one freestanding birthing center. It's the Brooklyn Birthing Center. But in surrounding cities in New Jersey, there are several facilities. To me, what struck me the most was that from their pain, they were both propelled into being advocates for their partners, and not just their partners, for other people who've experienced this. They also don't want more women to continue to die in our medical system. I know about Bruce's story and his advocacy and the tragic murder of his partner, because once you read the story and investigate, the anesthesiologist who administered her epidural for her C-section severed her spinal cord with the catheter needle. It's just tragic. Shawnee B. Gibson was a reproductive rights activist, and she's quoted in the documentary as saying that she had a trust in the system as well. One of the participants in the documentary, in the men's group, told a story about how after his partner died while he was there and the baby was born, while he's holding his baby, the institution asked him if he was the father and he had to get a DNA test to prove that he was the father of that child. Now, he doesn't go into detail to say what happened in that interim, but what more than likely happens is that if you're not married, then someone from the family, the immediate family, meaning her mother or her sister, would have to go to the hospital and petition the release of the baby in their care. Sometimes foster care system gets involved, and if the child goes into the foster care system, it is a lot harder for the father to get the child back. Now, imagine the same institution that murdered your partner, you now have to turn around and prove that this child is yours to get custody of your child at the same time that you are worrying about making arrangements for your partner. These are just some of the ways in which the systemic racism is involved. Another quote from the movie that stood out to me said, it was safer for our parents to give birth to us than it is for us now to give birth to our children. The maternal mortality rate is going up. It's not going down. And I have so many thoughts on how we can make this better. One of my main thoughts is we have to start going to midwives and alternative centers, birthing centers, 
or home births in hospital birthing centers to start giving birth. I think when the financial incentive is also taken away from C-sections, that will also bring the C-section rate down, but it won't stop the bias and neglect that's happening. One of the doctors that um, was quoted in the documentary, Dr. Neil Shaw, he started a dialogue web series called Expecting More, exploring the lived experiences of women giving birth in the U.S., The documentary didn't show much from the meeting, but they did speak with Dr. Shaw, who spoke about his experiences of understanding what needed to happen in the healthcare system to provide change. He was also quoted in the documentary as saying that there was a study that that had come out and said, when black and brown babies are cared for by black and brown people, their survival rate goes up. I want you to think about that for a minute. When we are cared for by people who look like us, we have a better chance of being heard, seen, and cared for. And when you think about most of the hospitals and medical institutions, we don't comprise, people who look like me, don't comprise a majority of these hospital systems in middle America. I found it incredibly disrespectful when Bruce spoke about him going into the hospital with his partner and the security officer told him, Mr. Baby Daddy, go sit over there. You can't go upstairs with her. Imagine being so secure in your position to be able to speak down and disparage someone's relationship that you don't know anything about. And this is the security officer when you step into the hospital. Before Bruce was allowed upstairs, he had to endure that. So that's his first encounter. Everyone is quick to talk about doctors and nurses, but we need to talk about the whole institution of the hospital. (laughs) One of the quotes by Dr. Shaw was, I think the well-being of moms is a bellwether for the well-being of society in general. And that's why every injustice in our society shows up in maternal health and maternal outcomes. Now picture that for a moment, of just the understanding of everything that happens in our society shows up in how we treat women when they are about to give birth. How we are treating the majority of the population, just black and brown people, when they go to give birth. Black mothers are 12 times more likely to die in New York City. They are black and brown just by giving birth. This is outrageous. In 2018, there was a journalist who started telling the stories of women who were dying in childbirth. This is how it even got on the radar. Imagine 2018. This is two years before the pandemic. One of the statistics that one of the midwives said was, we intervene with C-sections 500% more than we did in the 1970s. The maternal mortality rate is flying upwards. And it's not just mothers who are losing their lives due to this. It's also moms who have been injured medically. I had a client one time who hired me for their second birth. They had inquired 
about my services for their first birth. And during their first labor, the mom had low fluids around the baby. And low fluids is something that we can control for the most part. If it's truly low fluids, no drinking amount of water or hydrating yourself or giving getting an IV will do anything to increase your fluid levels if they are truly low. This mom, I had encouraged her to go home, take a nice cool bath, drink at least a gallon of water and return so they could measure the fluid around the baby after she had done this. And her fluid levels increased dramatically. So on top of that, she was a little dehydrated. For their second birth, they hired me. And it was great. She went into labor on her own. We got to the hospital. The hospital was full. The only room we could go to was the OR. And this generally happens quite a bit in New York City. The one thing we're not building enough of or that doesn't get built enough are hospitals and schools. Go figure. Things we need more of. So we go into the OR and the mom is fully dilated and she starts to push. And she just could not push. She said she did not have any energy. We tried coaching her, helping her, always to help her push. And so the only alternative was for her to have a C-section to deliver the baby. And normally a C-section operations start until the baby is born is about 15 minutes, but the whole surgery can be anywhere from 45 minutes or longer, if up to an hour at most if everything goes well. I was in the waiting room. One hour passed, two hours passed. We were going on three hours. And I texted the husband and asked him if everything was okay. And he wrote me back and said that they had perforated her bladder which is normal. It could potentially happen in C-sections because they have to go through the layers of skin. Then they have to remove the organs from around the uterus. So they, they cut her bladder. And while they were waiting for the urologist, they had removed her uterus. And they were waiting for so long that her uterus died on the table, meaning that there was no blood flow to it and the uterus was not functional, not viable. They could not put it back inside of her. And this woman and her husband came from a large family and they wanted to have more children. The devastation that this mom felt, that this father felt in that moment. And these are just one of many stories that I have of clients who've experienced issues like this. Another quote from the the documentary that stuck out to me, that stood out to me was, if you are black, you are less likely to get good support to have a vaginal birth. These are things that we know. And as we know, in the U.S., when most people who are on Medicaid, they go into a clinic to see a midwife. And then when they go to deliver their baby, it's a doctor they've never met or a resident that's on who delivers their babies. They don't have the individualized care that most women experience from private medical insurance. They're limited in where they can go and who they can see and which hospitals they can give birth at based off of their insurance. If you haven't guessed by now, one of my recommendations 
is that we need to get the insurance companies out of the medical decision-making for women. They have no business in there. They restrict rights. They restrict where women can give birth. They restrict providers. They also restrict how much these providers get paid. That is also why it's so limited for them to find other providers because a lot of providers will not take Medicaid because Medicaid undercuts them tremendously. Whereas the average birth, I see a vaginal birth is $6,000. A C-section is $10,000. A home birth midwife taking Medicaid will get on average maybe $1,200 to $1,500. You see the disparities and the reason for cause and concern. The midwife, Helena Grant, certified nurse midwife, she stated six to nine percent of births are attended by midwives in the U.S. When most European countries, it's the reverse. Doctors see about six to nine percent of births. The majority of women are seen by midwives and they have much lower rates in maternal mortality than in the United States. Dr. Shaw devised a program where he met with a local doula in Oklahoma in a medical center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the majority of the staff, I would say 99% of the staff, were white people. Oklahoma, the maternal mortality rate is double the national average. And the national average is 34%, I believe. So imagine that. If the national average is 34%, they have double that. Which means that 68% of women going into these hospitals, or this particular hospital in Oklahoma, are going to get sectioned versus delivering vaginally. When the majority of women giving birth are black and brown people. One of the things that um, Helena Grant said that black women have been experimented on to perfect gynecology and black women continue to be experimented on by learners. This is something that happens quite frequently because we are not aware of our rights in the hospital. You have a right to informed consent, meaning you have the right for them to inform you of what procedures they are going to do on you. And you have the right to informed refusal, which means you have a right to refuse. Also meaning you have a right to know who walks into your room to care for you. And you have a right to say you do not want that person in there. A lot of hospitals, well, quite a few hospitals in New York City are teaching hospitals. And I've heard quite a few doctors say to their patients, well, you chose a teaching hospital as a way of coercing them into allowing a student to be present. And by present or observing, I have to say in my experience as a doula, how I've seen people observe, and I use that term with air quotes, I'm doing air quotes as I say that word, is a lot of times, here's the scenario, baby is born, the student is there observing, baby is placed on mom's chest, mom and the partner is staring at the baby. And while they're doing that, the doctor is teaching. We need to suture. I'll start. And they'll start a suture and they'll say, turn to them and say, now you try. Mom and dad are 
aren't aware of what's happening because they're looking at their baby. They're in their own little bubble, just amazed at what just happened. And she's not even aware that she has a student working on her. The same thing has happened in operating rooms. So you have a right to tell the hospital staff that you do not wish to have students observe or be in attendance. And most people don't know that they have a right to say that. Something else that struck me was that when they spoke about when Black mothers die, it's a ripple effect on the community, on the family, on the friends. That's why the movie was named Aftershock. It's a tsunami effect. (laughs) This is really disheartening. One of the things that Dr. Shaw mentioned when he was meeting in Oklahoma was that they had come up with a system of people being seen and heard. When people are seen and heard, they have a more pleasant experience. For me, what I understand of being seen and heard is also being seen and heard by people of your peers, your community, people who look like you, taking care of you. If we have bias in the medical system, and bias comes from people assuming something about another person that may or may not be true. It could be a stereotype. Like the biggest one that they talk about is that it was assumed that black mothers, black people did not feel pain or they didn't feel pain in the same way that we experience pain. A lot of women, a lot of enslaved women were experimented on for gynecological reasons with no medication. And regardless of how much they winced, flinched, or even died from the pain, the experiments continued. So that thinking was prevalent. And so a lot of mothers have talked about when they request pain medication or say that they're in pain and they're not being heard. Providers are feeling, have learned that black women don't experience pain in the same way. So they must be lying about their pain. And they're not given the same medications or the same care that they would a white person who's complaining about pain. This is systemic neglect. The whole system needs to be changed. Communication is one aspect of it, but we also need to have more black midwives, more black nurses, and more black doulas caring for and being paid for appropriately, because that's also something else that Medicaid came up with a system in New York City to try to implement paying doulas. But the amount of work that they wanted doulas to do for a quarter of the pay that they could charge on their own was astronomical, and the program failed. It did not work. There was nobody who was going to sign up for to do that much work for such little pay. I think Aftershop is informative and and cinematically captures the activism, pain, and actionable steps that says people are working to change these rates. I feel they should have gone a little extra step to inform people of like what to do. I said this before and I'll keep saying it until it becomes true. We need more midwives, specifically black midwives in hospitals. We need more doulas of color. We need more black nurses. We need more black doctors. Incorporating the system like they do in most European countries where midwifery is the standard level of care. That's how we can combat. 
How can you take actions with your insurance? Find a midwife. OBs are trained surgeons, and when you need one, it's great that they're there. But for general well-woman care, even pregnancy, midwifery care is an option. Explore your doctors and find a doctor of color that takes your insurance. Start requesting from your insurance companies. More, you need more midwives. We need more coverage for midwives in hospitals, out of hospitals, and birthing centers. Women need choice in birth and access. And this medical system, the medical industrial complex that they speak of, is doing us more harm than good. And if we divest from these systems, these systems will be forced to change because they will be starved for funding. And we are providing the fuel. There are alternative options and we need to explore all of them. Remember, you are in control. It's your body, your baby, your birth. Happy birthing. Thank you for listening. I would appreciate it if you would leave a review and rate the podcast five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. Please check the show notes for resources from this episode. I love to hear from you and will read your review on a future episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can also send me an email at clearbirthpodcast at gmail.com. Happy birthing. This podcast was edited and managed by Wordy Productions.